What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happer and Shaper. He says I take no joy in life. I can see that. Coming at you live from Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Why, why are you yelling at me? Whatever, make me a bicycle clown. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Connor Happer. You might want to look away for this. Mike Schaefer. My boy's wicked smart. This is Happer and Schaefer. Welcome back in. 10 o'clock hour of Hepper and Schaefer here on 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Connor Hepper, Mike Schaefer with you. Al Bell's going to join us in just a little bit. Talk about the week in the NFL. Gambling cash it's and trash it's. What Alan, just, what Alan did this weekend. I think he said he on Twitter he, he helped buy a guy a Braves jersey. Or something like that. He's always up to something. Yeah, that guy is. Uh, that guy is unique. It's just amazing. Uh, let's go back to. I mean, Scott Frost will be talking again here in about um, two and a half hours. But this is the most recent stuff we have from him. Um, he's asked about the vibe in the stadium in the second half. Uh, you know, I, I'm grateful to the fans. I'm grateful for an opportunity to coach my, my alma mater. Um, I'm impatient to to have these games turn out a different way. I'm grateful to the fan base. Um, I was just as frustrated as them in the second half. Did you notice the people leaving? Um, not really. Um, I'm, I'm too dialed in trying to get the guys play a little better. Well, I, I would like there to... There were some people leaving. I would like to say, in defense of that last quote, and then the one that uh, made people mad with JoJo Doman. Oh yeah. I do think that it's important to acknowledge that these guys don't have much mental capacity, or really any, to spend worried about who is in the stadium all the time. For sure. Uh, so Scott Frost not noticing the fans leave is not a non-answer or a lie. I agree. There's no reason that he should ever be worried about the fans leaving in the game because it doesn't 
matter. It doesn't matter because it should At never all. it should never be an issue because you shouldn't be losing right. the way you're losing. So the if they're at the point where the fans are leaving, his concern shouldn't be. Oh yeah. no, the fans are leaving. Yeah. It's you're more focused on how do it's we like get how the, did we uh, get did, to this point? Why are the fans yeah. leaving, and what do I have to do to get the fans to not leave? Right. So, I, and then the JoJo Doman thing, and I don't know if you have the audio on that. or I not. don't. I don't. Um, I I wish you did because I don't want to completely get the quote wrong. But he basically said something about the faithful will be there, and they don't have time for the fair weather. And this, of course, made people mad, and it's, I always find this difficult, because now we've been, or I've been in it now three times, with with three different coaching staffs, and three different teams that are largely having to answer on behalf of, of why people are upset, or what's going on with everything, and don't, don't get upset at the players that, when they give answers about that they, you know, they want to feel support, and the people that support them are, are fans, and all of that, like, how do you want JoJo Doman to answer those questions? 100%. Like, you want him to be passionate. You you never no, question from, from how hard I, he's going to play. From what I heard about the context of that one in particular, I I don't think it was significant really. Yeah, at all. I just know that it was a lightning rod for people that were immediately like, oh, they don't care about the fans. I mean, they the don't dude, care about the sellout streak. They the, don't care about us. The dude has stood up there like emotionally drained yeah. after every single game basically over the last five years since he's been here like pouring his heart out most of the time and like you could tell he cares well, if, if if there's one I, I don't really have any doubt as to who doesn't care in that program i think they all do to be honest with you i actually think that's part of a like part of the symptom of like, they all care a lot yeah. you know and there's some personal responsibility over there um which is a good thing but you have to kind of sift through that thing. Like, I don't have any doubt as to their level of care. I don't. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing that you want, whether it's Austin Allen or JoJo Doman or whoever, is that they're just, as you watch them play, there's no doubt in my mind those guys are leaving everything they can out on the field. Yeah. I mean, if if you watch Nebraska's onside kick, it was JoJo Doman that gave him a chance for that by blowing up the guy in front of the ball and creating the pathway for Nebraska to potentially recover it. I have no doubt in my mind that regardless of if there's one fan or if there's 90,000 fans there on Saturday against Ohio State, he's going to play as hard as he humanly possibly can. Yep. And I just, I get, the thing that I hate most about these situations is people want to talk about when players quit or that the players aren't playing for the right reasons or that the players don't care about how the fans feel. You got to put yourself in their shoes. Like, they're... That guy is doing everything he can to win football games. He can't be concerned about what's happening in the stands. 100%. He's concerned about what's happening on the field. And I just, I, I really I am, don't like those conversations. There is curiosity, though, in what it might look like on Saturday. Um, yeah, well, I those conversations we can have yeah, when right. it gets brought to a player. Like, don't get mad at him for right. for wanting people to support him because he's giving everything he can. No, that was taken the wrong way, I think, by a lot of people. I agree. Yeah, with and it, it sucks. I, I think it sucks. I agree. Here's a, here's another potential lightning rod from Saturday. You know, magic speeches aren't going to change this. So, to be honest with you, today I uh, left the locker room and had the captains address them. Um, and uh, some of these guys, are we got great captains. we got good character kids. And uh, I know guys like Austin Allen and JoJo uh, are going to want to finish it and finish it the right way. So... Um, and we need a little more of that. So um, the guys will keep working. 
but it's disappointing. That's Scott Frost after the game, and and that was a that was kind of the big theme of the press conference. It was so. What do you do? Where do we where do we go next? And how do we get to that? May less. How did we get to this point? Um, but where do we go? How do we not be at this point? Where did you come from? Where did you go? Nebraska's new coach, Cotton, Cotton Eye Joe. Joe. Exactly. Is um, this breaking news? And there's just a lot, you know, th- there's no there's no answers. And I guess that's the most disappointing part. Like, it's, it's on one hand predictable, on the other hand disappointing. If they had the answers, they'd be trying to kind of deploy. I brought this, you know, this thought up a bunch of weeks ago now and made the whole point of, like, maybe we just kind of have to – start looking at this um, from the perspective of they don't have the answers. Like if, if you want them to, you know, figure this out and everybody does um, and they're trying to, and they're telling us basically flatly that they don't have the answers. They don't, they don't know where to turn next. That leaves you in a pretty peculiar, peculiar spot as a program. And with the particular coaching staff. Well, what do we, we we've kind of talked about with the offense that has been an issue now for multiple seasons, and what they have generally done more often than not is just double down on what they've wanted to be. So their their answer for how you're going to fix it is to dig deeper into what they are and what ultimately has not worked. That's been said. And so here, it, it it's hard to expect a guy to have answers when his answer every time previous has been to just try to do more of what he's already doing that hasn't worked. Quote, we got to play better. So I think we've reached the point where it's apparent that this is the strategy. This is what it is. And you shouldn't expect a whole lot different than that in terms of what it is they're attempting to do. Maybe the results can be different. Maybe the pieces can be different. Maybe what coaches them from an individual level is going to be different. But philosophically, this is who they are, and this is what they want to be. Trying to change results, not process. And it kind of feels like maybe the process should be changed. I don't know if maybe is a word that (laughs) needed to be in that. I was trying to just soften. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. It's tough. Um I I hear these quotes and look I at a base level do I agree with him that magic speeches don't exist I do yeah I think magic speeches exist for TV shows and movies and for rewriting history of when a great moment happens it gets attributed to something that may have been said but how many times does something get said and then the great moment doesn't happen more often so I I I, I get that. The concern is that when you've tried nothing and now you've declared that you're out of ideas, that's not great. It's a dead end. Well, if if you're all out of ideas because you've tried absolutely nothing, the joke writes itself. Well, I think they've pushed a lot of buttons as far as how to approach the team from a mental standpoint. And we've talked about this before. Like, I think they've... Frost just talked about earlier in the week pre- pressing the mad button, right? And while I thought that storyline was overdid, overdid it, like, it really got you to the point where it's like, whoa, 
we're scratching for something here. We are scraping the bottom of the barrel to try and find answers here. If we're talking about the mad button, you know? And from after the game, what we heard, you know, there's maybe not that much more to try. So that's where Nebraska football is at right now. Hey, by the way, it's um, it's 10 o'clock. It's Monday. It's after 10 o'clock now. This came out like 15 minutes ago. Oh, did Nebraska create another defensive player of the week? Guess who? Is it uh, was it Graham? Jalen Graham. Two interception day. Registered the one first touchdown. Two interception game. Two, first two interceptions of his career. By the way, I think he's a really good player. Um, in a 28-23 win at Nebraska. 28-23, I forgot the score. I almost said 28-25 earlier. Added six tackles and a pass breakup. Returned his first interception of the game, 45 yards for a touchdown to tie the game at seven in the second quarter. The interception returned for a touchdown. Mark Purdue's first pick, six cents, October 12, 2019, against Maryland. And um, Offensive Player of the Week. You could probably guess that one, too. Who? Uh, let's see. Was it J.J. McCarthy? <laughs> Same game. Wasn't him? Oh, uh, uh, Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker ran for almost 200 yards and five touchdowns against Michigan. And I will keep the name of, of this person private. But I was, I was having a conversation with a local media person pregame about how I just and we've talked about this out loud so I'm not ashamed on my part we talked about how we just both weren't really sold on Kenneth Walker yet it's like I I think the guy is good but I don't think he's like excellent and obviously it was evidenced by the fact that Nebraska held him to whatever they held him to um in uh I believe it was 61 yards yeah that was in late September um and then he went and ran for 200 yards and five touchdowns against the best defense that they had seen all year. And then I decided that I was going to keep that conversation private until just now. (laughs) Big decision for you there. Yeah. I will not mention that media member's name. Well, that's, that's very nice of you. Um, very nice of you, but I've already said something to the effect on this show. So, I'll I'll go public with it. I'll out myself. How many times has Nebraska been directly involved with the Big Ten Player of the Week? I I think we've done this every single week. It, I'm not kidding. It feels like it. I mean, I could I could go back and actually check. Uh, the Michigan defender got co Big Ten Player of the Week yes. for recovering and forcing that fumble. I think against Adrian uh, yeah. at the the end of the game. Minnesota, Mi- Michigan did, State did. Did Chris Ottman Bell get it for the week against Minnesota? Unclear. I could check. Um, he he had 11 catches for 103 yards and a touchdown. But no, it wouldn't have been him because it would have been a different Bell. It would have been David Bell that week for sure. Ah, uh, yes. So this would have been October. So have him back to October 11th. October 11th was the – when? Did, who did Nebraska play on October 9th? October 9th Michigan? was Michigan. Um, the linebacker for Michigan was a co-defensive player of the week. That is that is correct. Brad Hawkins, defensive back. And then, obviously, they were the only two teams that played, but did they have a week zero for Illinois? <laughs> Probably, yeah. So then, 
you know, it's the guy, happened. The it's guy happened re- quite a bit. recovered the fumble for a touchdown, was the defensive player of the week. Um, Nebraska, I think one of their players was the, the offensive player of the week in the Northwestern game. Michigan State's punt returner uh, was special teams player of the week. Again, in the Michigan State, like Nebraska's good at getting other people some hardware. Yep, here. as so. talked about on the show. Like, I get the email every week at the same exact time. I'm like, hmm, let's see if is a, is there a guy who played against Nebraska on here? Yeah, and the answer is usually yes. So as as we kind of round this out, did you watch any of Ohio State Penn State on Saturday? Uh, not really. Sat down and watched it. No, I. I had like the fourth quarter on because it was about the time that I would have gotten home. And just from the various people that I follow on Twitter, it really seemed like Ohio State struggled a lot uh-huh. in that game. I mean, they, and I they got a defensive touchdown. They got a scoop and score. Right. Um, I don't know. So, like, if you would have told me going into Saturday that Ohio State was going to get a scoop and score at some point during that game, I would have said, yeah, they're going to win by 40. Well, you you had said that before. I know. I thought they were yeah. going to win by thirty anyway. Um, but if you if you added on the fact that they were going to get a defensive touchdown in that game, I'd be like, yeah, we're done here. There's no there's no debating who won this game. And Ohio State did, but it, it ended up being closer. Yeah, I wanted to. I want. I haven't looked at the box score that I wanted to to kind of dive into that game a little bit because it felt like Sean Clifford, who was absolutely atrocious against Illinois was able to move the ball all over the field against Ohio State. And I'm not even really saying this in reference of what Nebraska could do on Saturday, but more so that this Ohio State team it felt like we kind of put the crown on them after a run of games against I did. probably some pretty subpar. I'll raise my hand on that one. Well, I did too. They I blasted mean, Indiana and Maryland, I think, back-to-back. Back. Yep. Uh, well, and Rutgers was Rutgers. in there too. Yeah. And, Which, you know. I... I mean, I think that they're still probably the most likely team to be the Big Ten uh, champion. champion. But there's at least a path to either Michigan or Michigan State being that team, and it wouldn't be that surprising. Oh, no. Because I I think Kenneth Walker is going to do some damage to that defense. Well, you know, if you saw Kelly Stoff, did you see Kelly Stoffer's Final Four? No. Is that a thing? Kelly Stoffer during the Nebraska game had his final four. Does that need to be okay? That was so. This didn't get to be my pest of the weekend because Minnesota Vikings football exists, mm-hmm. and so it had to be sports joy. Um, I was going to do like the this whole diatribe about people that get really cute with putting the top four teams in. Oh, you don't like, want to know Kelly Stoffer's then. If your top four involves Texas A and M, just turn in your press pass and go away. Nobody needs to hear from you. You Texas A&M has two losses. They can't win the SEC West. Their best win, Alabama, is a very, very good team. That doesn't cancel the fact you lost to Mississippi State. I'm sorry. You don't get to be a playoff team. If you're putting them in your top four, go away. Is that fair? I feel like that's fair. It's fair. Would you like to know a team that, include, uh, that was included in Kelly Stoffer's Final Four? Uh, sure. I, I feel like I don't really want to know because, quite frankly, I don't feel like I need to know much from Kelly Stoffer, but sure. Kentucky. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the same Kentucky team that uh, Mike Leach, you know, took care of pretty pretty handily there. But, uh, hey, how about uh, Mississippi State for 
They got wins over Final Four Texas A&M and Final Four Kentucky. He was like, all right, guys, here's what I got. I got Michigan State and Michigan just on the outside looking in. And I this I like Kentucky. I like Kentucky. No one is thinking about Kentucky. Literally whatsoever. I mean, they might have moved on to basketball after that loss. They are 18 in the AP poll. Speaking of the AP poll, do we have issues this week? Ooh. I assume that we do. Georgia 1, Cincinnati 2, Alabama 3, Oklahoma 4, Michigan State 5, Ohio State 6. So, Michigan State has a better win than Alabama. Um, they probably and they are, have less losses. They aren't going to get any credit uh, unless they beat Ohio State. And even then, I could still see idiots that do these polls. I mean, Michigan State, Alabama third. Michigan State, for all of what I think of them, if we're going resume here, Michigan State should be number three in the country. Well, you know what Alabama's best win is? It's either Ole Miss, who is getting worse, right. and will probably finish the year unranked, or Miami. You know who else beat Miami? Everybody. Michigan State. <laughs> Michigan State. That's specifically You know who hasn't there. beaten Michigan? Alabama. Yeah. I just, I get so annoyed by... The mental... Also, Ohio State and Oregon were right next to each other, and Oregon beat Ohio State, but Oregon 7 and Ohio State 6. Yeah. That one... Like, like it's, it, you know, it, it's nitpicking. Right. I just... Like, why does Alabama get to be third? Alabama and Oklahoma. Oklahoma's getting a little bit of this treatment, too. Yeah. Like, Oklahoma, I guess, at least doesn't have a loss, but they don't have a win yet that you're like, oh, that was a really good win. They have a bunch of escapes... You're like, wow, they you do need another one. Right. Um, but I mean, Alabama has not beaten a single team where you're like, oh yeah, that's uh that's a clearly great win for them. Not one. Mississippi State, I guess. Like their their best wins are either Old Miss or Mississippi State. It's not Florida. Florida's no good. It's not gonna be LSU this weekend. It's not gonna be New Mexico State. Yep. It's not gonna be Arkansas. You know, they're going to get a ton of credit for beating Auburn, who's going to be 8-4 and four to finish the year. Georgia has big wins. Cincinnati has a couple big wins. Uh, Michigan State has a couple big wins. And those are your undefeated teams who have the resume to back it up at this point. Yeah. Alabama, Oklahoma uh, – I mean, Alabama has a loss. Oklahoma has, you know, is a pretty weak 9-0. Ohio State's lost a game. They don't have that big of a win either. Like – you know, we're we're scraping here to try and find the best teams in the country. Yeah, and for some reason, Alabama gets the nod over over teams like Michigan State. And once again, I don't think that highly of Michigan State. Is it playoff ranking week? By the way, yeah, it. Max, so they'll come out Max tomorrow. Mentioned uh, when we talked to him on Friday that it'll be really interesting to see Tuesdays. Okay, so so I assume that's that's coming out. I don't large, think Cincinnati's going to be in the top they, four. I don't think they will either because this is what we do. We put teams like Alabama who have no quality wins. Or Ohio State. I, like, what do you think they're going to do with Ohio State, Michigan State? Do you think they're going to give the edge to Ohio State? Uh, yeah, to start with. That one doesn't matter as much because they'll at least play each other. Right. Right. But, I mean, it matters in the, in like, it matters from the idea of, you know, here's what they think. This is what they sure. prioritize. I just am so tired of watching. The SEC just have a stranglehold on stuff because that's just how we have to think of it. Yeah, specifically Alabama. And I think they're very good. But if they are very good, they're going to go beat Auburn and they're going to beat Georgia. If they can't beat Georgia, they don't get to be in the playoff. You don't get to be a two-loss team in the playoff 
if you don't win your conference and you have no definitive great and win. They, I don't they wouldn't be. They they wouldn't be. Right now, if they're number three and their only loss is to Georgia because <laughs> if you don't count their loss to Texas AM, it doesn't count. Right. They're they're number three because we're not counting That's that true. loss. That's true. So their only loss in the eyes of the idiots who put this together is going to be against Georgia. All right, 402-464-5685. The Honda of Lincoln Hotline and the Sarder Hammond text line, they're both open for you. Let's um let's get to some NFL stuff from over the weekend. Alan Bell, our guy from Sportsline, is going to join us next to recap that on Happer and Schaefer. Follow Connor and Mike on Twitter at Connor Happer at Mike J. Schaefer. You're listening to Happer and Schaefer. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.